You're listening to the Weekly Parsha Podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-running assistance in Ramah Bishem Israel 5783, 2023. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Bashalach, and before I begin, I just want to apologize. My voice is very weak today. I have a cold, and Baruch Hashem, I feel fine, but my voice is not as clear as it usually is. So, when things like this happen, we come to appreciate the everyday back and forth, week week by week, the fact that our voices work, that our bodies work, all that Hashem does for us all the time. So please bear with me, and let's read together some ideas from the Medrash. Parshas B'Shalach, the Jewish people are on their way out of Egypt. After a sojourn in Egypt for 210 years, now it's time for them to be released and for them to go. The Parsha starts off by telling us that it was when Paro sent out the Jewish people. So I'd like to read to you three different midrash from three different pieces that speak about this language of the Medrash, speak about the Shiluach, the sending out of the Jewish people in regards to the Jewish people themselves first, second in regards to how Paro felt about their release, and third, a certain sense of what Moshe felt like in the Jewish people's exodus, in that moment of exodus, of them leaving. It's very interesting to try to understand from each of their perspectives and, and to see the, the kind of chuta mishulash, once again, as we always try to do, to see you have different midrashim, but you can still sense and you can still see that there's an underlying theme which runs through all three of them. Says the Medrash like this, And it was when Paro sent out the Jewish people, says the Medrash, this is what it means in the Pasuk, in Tehillim. It says, It's a Pasuk in Psalms, chapter 124, verse 7. Our soul was like a bird escaping from the, from the trap that it was entrapped in. The Jewish people is like a bird escaping from the trap. Escaping, you know, you can envision the picture of a bird that's been trapped and it somehow is able to release itself. Freedom. It has freedom. This is an analogy to a dove that was inside of its nest. A particular uh, poisonous snake saw the bird and it tried to get up to where the bird was, to get up to the nest. The bird was able to escape to another place. What happens after that? So the nachosh, the snake goes up and climbs up into the nest that the bird had vacated. And a fire comes down and it burns the original uh, uh, nest of the bird, and it burns the snake that's inside of that nest. So now the bird does not have anywhere to go. It doesn't have a home. So it flies up, and it sits on the roof. So once... The once the snake was burned, and the nest was burned, 
So they said to this bird, why are you, uh, why are you going from one place to another? Why are you just flying around on the roof? So what the bird did was, it flew to another nest, it found another beautiful nest, a more beautiful nest we could say, and it sat there and it lived there in that nest. This is how the Jewish people were in Egypt. The Jewish people found a place to rest, so to speak. They found a nest. They found a place to develop their young, to to have to to uh, lay their eggs, so to speak, and to develop as a nation. But there was a snake that wanted to destroy them, and that was Paro. As the verse says, Pharaoh said to his people, "Let us be wise." In regards to the Jewish people, and Pharaoh is compared to the snake. As the Pesach says in Ezekiel, God says to Ezekiel, "Say a prophecy about Pharaoh, the great snake." Right, we know that one of the symbols of Egypt was the snake. The snake represents all that's evil in creation. So Pharaoh. Is like that snake that wants to climb up and capture or kill or consume the bird. So just like the bird flies out of the out of the ken, out of the nest, the Jewish people runs away. The Jewish people, they were afraid like a bird of Egypt. Once the Jewish people left Egypt, Pharaoh was consumed by fire, right? He was the one who climbed, so to speak, into the into the nest, the place of the Jewish people. The Jewish people vacated the nest. Pharaoh was destroyed. His people were destroyed. The Apostle again, we say every day, God sent out His anger, and they were consumed like straw. People of Israel went to another place. Right, they went to a place which was neither here nor there. They were on the roof, like a bird on the roof. Right, a bird doesn't live on a roof. Birds fly on the roof. I actually have a building across from me. There's a number of of apartment buildings across from me on on my street, and for some reason they love the building which is right across from my window, and they sit there. They're beautiful birds. Wonderful to see them, but they sit there. But that's not where they sleep. That's not their permanent dwelling place. Right, the Jewish people, they they went into another place. Where did they go? They uh, they went from Acharkach Baruch Kitzibur Mimakom Lamakom. They went like a bird from one place to another. Shnemar Kitzibur and did this Mikina Kain Ishnaidim The Jewish people were wandering in the wilderness from one station to another. When they came to Israel, when they came to the land of Israel, so they found a beautiful nest. Also, the Tzipor found its home. But still, but still, there's something missing, as the Medjish is about to say. Even though they found their home, they found the land of Israel, there's still something missing. The end of the Pasuk is, as the Marzu quotes, What were they searching for? The, it wasn't just a house, a place for them to live, but it's also the very, the very altar of Hashem that they were searching for. 
V'chein David Omar, and this is the end, which which coincides with the idea of the Marzu. King David says, Adam Samakum Lashem Yaakov. I can't rest, says King David. David HaMelech wanted to build the base of Megdash, he wanted to build a temple, he wanted a permanent dwelling place for God. And he said, I won't allow myself to sleep, I won't allow myself to stop, I won't, I'm going to keep going until I find the place. He was searching, he was searching and searching until he found the location of the base of Megdash, which it would be for all time, which is Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, the holy city, the Harabais, the Temple Mount. Until I find the place for Hashem, the place where the the mighty one of Jacob, the Jew, the the Jewish people's God. Until I find that place, my job is not done. So we are like, we are like the Jewish people are compared to a bird which is flying from place to place until it finally finds its nest. And when, when is it called that it found its home? It's not even when we get to Eretz Yisrael, when we get to the land of Israel. It's when we have a base Hamikdash, when we have the Holy Temple rebuilt, rebuilt on the Harabais, on the, on the Holy Mountain of Hashem. That's when we know we've reached the, the apex of history, right? The Jewish people, and we mention this, we say this in the Haggadah each year, we say that we don't have the, you know, what was the, obviously we say Lashon Yushalayim, right? Every year we say at the end of our Seder, next year in Jerusalem, we can't suffice ourselves wherever we are, even if we have so much Torah, so much relationship with Hashem, it's still not complete until we have Beis HaMikdash, which means open revelation of Hashem's hand in the world. We also mention in the Dayenu, in the Song of Dayenu, right, we mention, if Hashem had done this for us, that would have been enough. If Hashem would have done this for us, if He would have taken us out of Egypt, all of the different things that Hashem did for the Jewish people in the Exodus, but what's the culmination of that? What's the final stage of Dayenu? It's Ubanalano as Beis He's building for us the chosen house, the house of God, the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple. So. This Medrash is clearly saying a beautiful thing, it's saying an awesome thing, and that is that we are compared to, we are, we are being sent out, we are being released like a bird which is coming out of its bondage, flying from place to place until it finally, like we sing on Shabbos, until we finally find a place to rest. And where is that place to rest? It's not even Eretz Yisrael. We can't suffice ourselves. It's a beautiful thing. The Jewish people now have the land of Israel. But until we have a base Hamikdash, until we have the temple, it's not complete. We are not at Geula yet. We are not at the full redemption until we have a base Hamikdash built Mr. Shem soon. Okay, so foundation. Concept number, number one. Foundation number one is where are we headed? What's the purpose of Gula? What's the purpose of the Exodus? Where is it to get to ultimately? It's not just to be released from our bondage. It's not just to be released from the Nachash, from the snake who wants to kill us. But it's for us to get to Eretz Yisrael, it's for us to get to the land of Israel, and for us to have a base Hamikdash, to have a holy temple, which we can use to serve Hashem, where God is manifest in the world. That's, that's the first piece in the Medrash. Now, the next two pieces are slightly different angle, talking not so much on the Bishalach Parai, not so much on the fact that the Jewish people were sent out, released from their bondage, but Vayehi, the language of Vayehi Bishalach Parai. 
And it was when Paro sent them out. So the word Vayihi, as the Gemara points out, our Medrash points out, the word Vayihi, and it was, so it's made up of two, two, two halves, Vayihi. The word Vay, we always say, Oy Vay, Oy Vay, right? That's Hebrew. It's not Yiddish, right? Vay, or Vay, means woe. Woe unto us, W-O-E. Woe unto us. Whenever you have the word Vayihi, there's always an aspect of something's wrong, something's sad, something's not right, something is not as it should be. So what, we're going to see two different Midrashim as, as to what was the sadness in the Vayihi B'Shalach Parai. When Paro sends out the Jewish people, why, what, what, what could, what could be the sadness in sending out the Jewish people? Hooray, there's only joy. When we are released from our bondage, finally, after 210 years of enslavement, we are released from our bondage in Egypt. What's the sadness of Ayyubashalach Paro? So, the first shot is saying something kind of obvious, and that the sad one was Paro. He was losing his slaves. That's the simple thing. But there's a deeper thing. Paro was losing something much greater than just his slaves. Hear this, it's amazing. It's such an interesting medrash. Who is the one that called out, Vai, oi, Vai? Who's the one that said, Woe is me? It was Pharaoh. The medrash gives us a mushal, an analogy, to a king. That was going to a particular country. I'm sorry, not the king. The son of the king, the prince, went to a particular country. Excuse me. He went and he stayed, this, this prince, he went and he stayed by a particular rich man. And the king, I'm sorry, the rich man received this prince with a with an eye and type with a good eye, meaning he brought him in, he gave him a place to sleep, he gave him luscious foods, etc. Now the king heard how this uh, this particular rich man welcomed in his son, took care of him, and which country he lives in. Right? And uh, the Mephoshim explain, of course, uh, you know, when we think about the Egyptians, they didn't really uh, treat us so nicely. But at the beginning, they did greet us, and they took us in, and they took care of us, and they provided for us. So, the king, at some point, says, back to the analogy, the king at some point says, he sends letters to this rich man, he says, I want you to, to send my son home. Pamachas, v'sheni, v'shlishi, so the king was sending messages to this rich man saying, send out my son. I want you to send him home. A second time, a third time, constantly. He was sending these messages. At some, at a, at a certain point, the king himself went down to the rich man's house and he pulled his son out of the rich man's house. That rich man started to scream. What are you doing? How come he took my stud? The, the prince, how come he took, how come the king took him out? So his neighbor said to him, what are you yelling about? So the rich man said, 
It was a great honor for me. When the prince was in my house, I was receiving all of these letters from the king. He needed me. You see, Safun in of. I was there in front of him. I was something, I was on his mind. But now that the prince is gone, the king has stopped sending me letters. The king has stopped interacting with me. And that's why I'm yelling. That's why I'm upset. This is what Pharaoh said when the Jewish people were, were in my country. So God needed me. God was constantly sending me these messages. I was getting messages from God all the time. Hashem was saying, This is what the God of the Hebrews has said. Send out my nation. And Pharaoh heard from Moshe. He heard from Moshe himself the message of God, which which was sent out my my nation. He didn't want to. He enjoyed the attention, so to speak. He enjoyed the master of the universe is speaking to me, the all powerful Pharaoh. When Hashem himself, as it were, the king of the world, came down into Egypt and 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 removed the Jewish people from Egypt, says, I have come down to save them from the hand of Egypt. Pharaoh started to yell, Woe is me that I sent out the people of Israel. That's what the sadness is. The sadness is, is Pharaoh's sadness, which is such an interesting measure because, I mean, as the Mephorshim point out, Pharaoh is getting smacked upside the head. I'm saying Pharaoh is getting, the Makis were coming. Every time Hashem said, send out my nation, he got a, he got a, he got a letter bomb. Each time he got a message, a letter from the king. Very beautiful, very deep. Seems to me, there's a there's a few different ways to think about it, but you know, let's talk it out. One idea is that it's worth it for someone to get the attention of Hakadosh Baruch Hu of God, even if it's negative attention. It's worth it. It's kedai. It's kedai to be in the center of Hashem's attention, even if it's negative attention. That's one aspect of it. There's another aspect of it, which is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Wherever the Jewish people are, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as Chazal say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically places us in a place we're going to be beholden. We're going to be slaves to whom? To a great nation. We'll never be slaves to a, a pachus nation, to a lowly nation. We'll be, we'll be subjugated by the greatest of nations, by the Romans, by the Greeks, by the, you know, the, those who Western civilization looks back on and says these are the foundations of our civilization, the Jewish people are subjugated to great people. So by the very fact that God is speaking to Pharaoh, it shows the greatness of Pharaoh. Right? We have to understand, we think of Pharaoh as the great villain, and he was, but he was great. He was a great person. He, his civilization was a great and powerful civilization that lasted many centuries. So, but coming back to the first point, even within that civilization, even within that darkness, Pharaoh still wants, he still appreciates 
the connection, that intense negative connection, but a connection nonetheless to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to God. And I think that that really parallels what we spoke about in the previous Medish, which is that we have this, the Jewish people as a, as a nation which is flying like a bird from one place to another, and it doesn't yet reach its final destination until we have Beis HaMikdash, which is the representation of the ultimate connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, on the other side of what Pharaoh experienced, which is, in the positive way, open miracles, things that show that the Jewish people is the chosen people, those types of interactions. What are we going for? We're looking for full, we're looking for the full picture, we're looking for the ultimate destination. For Pharaoh, he says, woe is me because I lost that connection. For the Jewish people, we are sent out. And I would say we are sent out from the vayihi, from the sadness. We are sent out on a mission. And we're headed towards a destination. And that destination is based Hamikdash. Open revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu of God. And here's where we come to a very small piece, which is the final piece. Says the Medrash, who said Vai, who said woe is me? In this Medrash, it's not Paro who says it, it's Moshe Rabbeinu who says it. Moshe is writing the Torah. There was a sadness in Moshe as the Jewish people left Egypt. What was the sadness? Or maybe as he wrote, right? We don't know exactly. There's differences of opinion as to exactly when the Torah was written down. The beginning of the 40 years, the end of the 40 years in the wilderness. Perhaps you could say, Moshe Rabbeinu, as he writes about the fact that the Jewish people are being sent out of Egypt. There's a sadness in Moshe. Says the Medrash, a final small analogy. This is comparable to a person who was appointed by the king to, to, to be melave, to accompany the princess, the daughter of the king. He was appointed to to accompany the bride, the the princess who was about to get married, but he was able to see through the stars that he's going to take her out of the palace, but he's not going to bring her to the chup. He's not going to actually, excuse me, bring her to the point of marriage. So as he takes her out of the palace, he starts to cry. They asked. This particular messenger, this accompaniment, this accompanist, why are you crying? He said, I'm crying because I put in so much effort to get her all ready, to bring her out of the palace, in her wedding dress, all bedecked, everything, but I'm not going to actually be at the chuppah. I know I'm not going to be at the wedding ceremony. This is what Moshe said. This is why he cried. This is why he was said, I'm calling out, I'm crying, I'm saying, woe is me, because I worked so hard to get the Jewish people out of Egypt. And I am not going to merit to, to bring them into the chuppah, so to speak, to bring them to under the wedding canopy, to finish the job, to bring them into the land of Israel. So there was a sadness in Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a sadness that he's not going to complete. He's not going to bring the Jewish people into the completion, to the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which was represented by coming to the land of Israel. He was sad. He was bringing them out, but he wasn't going to bring them in. And I think that this too, this message also points 
to to the desire, the desire that we need to have, that we must have, the desire for the completion, for the Mashiach, for the Messiah, the times of Mashiach, whether it's the aspect of, of Beis HaMikdash, which is the Hashrat HaShchina, the, the revelation of God's divine presence in the world, or whether it's just the simple aspect of coming under the chuppah, right? Coming under the chuppah, it's just a ceremony, it's just now they're married, right? The, the consummation of the marriage is that night after the marriage, when the two, when the couple comes together, right? Which is represented by the Jewish people coming together with Hashem in Beis HaMikdash, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the Holy of Holies, Right, but still, there's a stage of coming to Eretz Yisrael, which is part of getting to the final relationship, as we saw in the first part of the Medrash, flying, we have to first fly out of the original nest in order to, 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 to fly around and then get to the final nest, to the, to the real nest, which is Eretz Yisrael, and even the deeper aspect of the nest, which is the Beis Hamigdash, the Temple. Bottom line, the message of the Smedrish is, we have to want it, we have to say, There's so much good, Baruch Hashem, the Jewish people are experiencing unparalleled success, whether it's material success, whether it's spiritual success. The times that we live in are unique and special. But we have to be saying, I I wish that I could be in Eretz Yisrael. I wish that I could be in Beis Hamikdash. I wish, I wish, oy vai, I have so much, but I'm missing the main thing. I'm, I'm, I'm inside of this, this, this nest, or I'm in transit to Israel, but I'm not, but I'm not there yet. I wish I could be there, oy vai, I'm not there yet. Things are good, but I don't have Eretz Israel. I'm not in Eretz Israel. Or if I'm in Eretz Israel, I don't have Beis Hamikdash. I don't yet have the, the end of it all. And even Aparo recognizes that when, when the Jewish people leave, the Shechina leaves with them, and he doesn't have that access to the Rebbe Shalom, to the mass of the world. I want to bless you, and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. Then we should have these Kisufim. We should have these desires. We should have these wishes. These, the, the inner burning of our soul should come forth like a flame, like a bonfire of desire for Eretz Yisrael, of desire for Beis Hamikdash of desire, not just for the success of the Jewish people, which is important and essential, but for us to get to the place which is the ultimate success, which is Eretz Yisrael, which is Beis Hamikdash. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes Ari Goldwag.